All right, find your seats, and today we have a fun uh, journey in the Bible. So open your Bibles. We're going to be going through Genesis chapter 12. It's a little bit of a continuation from last week. We're going to be looking at the life of Abraham. So Father, we just ask that you take control. You come and highlight the Word of God, help us understand your heart towards us in the midst of our own faith journeys, in Jesus' name. All right, so um, I want to preface this message by saying I can look across the room. I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of your stories, and I know that a whole bunch of us are in faith journeys currently, um, and a whole bunch of you have been in faith journeys in the past, and a whole bunch of you are wanting to be on a faith journey coming up. And so this message is 100% for each of us that has, at one point in your life, stuck your neck out, and you felt like the Lord heard, you, you heard the Lord speak, and you said, okay, God, and you jumped out there, and then what happens next? And I also recognize that some of us may be stuck in the journey. Maybe we're like in a low point. We started strong. We're like, Lord, what in the world? You told me to do this, and here I am, and ah! Is, there, is it only me sometimes? <laughs> right. So that's what this message is for us today is, is I want us to pay attention to how does God respond when we get to that point of, ah, Lord, what in the world are you doing? So open up to Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to walk you through a bunch of chapters of the story of Abram, eventually Abraham, and we're going to look at the highs and lows of his journey. I would love to tell you that um, when God calls me on journey... Let's find a good one. That God speaks, and then it's like, yes, God, I will do whatever you say, and it just gets better and better and better till the very end. Has anybody ever had that happen? Okay, because you need to come teach us. <laughs> All right, so nobody's ever had that happen. I haven't either. God tells me to start a church or start a business or start whatever, and it is like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, yeah, we're going to tackle everything, and then bam, you're like the lowest of lows and the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And it's a crazy roller coaster. Well, Abraham was no different in his own journey. So there's 10 highs that we want to look at and 10 lows with Abraham in his journey. So Genesis chapter 12 is where it starts. Verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Abram at the time, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And verse 4, so Abram went. Say bravo. So Abram's here. He's living his life. He's doing his thing. He's, he's living pretty well with God. And then God speaks, and he has his first high. So this is the call of Abram's life. And this is a great thing. Abram hears the voice of God. He doesn't wait for any confirmation. He is out the door. He's going. He's moving. He's moved his whole family. Everybody he knows thinks he's insane. Why are you leaving the comfort of your home? Why are you doing this crazy thing? You've got it good here. We have a great thing going on. Why would you leave all this? Where are you going? What did God say? What are you talking about? Did he show up to you? No, I just heard him speak. And he said, go, and i got to go. Where are you going? I have no idea. What are you doing it for? I have no idea, but I'm leaving and I'm going and I'm getting out the door. So Abram obeys immediately. So he has his first high. 
Very shortly after this, um, God confirms his calling. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, to your offspring I will give this land. And so there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So Abram commemorates it. He's, he's staying strong. He hears God again, and right here, he builds an altar, okay? So great news. But then in verse 12, it says this. I'm sorry, verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was so severe. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and then they will kill me. But they will let you live. Say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. And so when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of, of the Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And her, for her sake, he dealt with Abram well. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Okay, say, oh, no. All right, so God has just spoken to you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have your heirs become a great and mighty nation. And Abraham experiences a little bit of a drought, right? And he's like, oh, no, here we are trying to follow God, and now I don't know how I'm going to feed my family. And so instead of trusting God, he freaks out, and he lets fear take over, and he runs to where he knows the world can provide him something to help him live. When he gets there, he gives up the promise of God. Okay? I don't know about you. If I was God, I would say Abraham's down here. If I was God, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> all right, good try, buddy. We're going to go find somebody else. <laughs> if, if, if that's all it takes, is like you get a little hungry and that's it. Oh, this thing's not happening. I'm going to change the world through you and you ditched it right now and you literally gave away the promise. What is wrong with you? But I'm not God, and that's not what God said to Abram. Isn't that amazing? So what I want you to notice first is right down here, he's at his lowest point of his life. He's given up on God. He has no faith and no trust that God's going to do anything. It's done. It's finished. But even still, right here, God blesses Abraham. In the middle of his utter failure, and he's given up, and he has no more faith, God blesses him abundantly, and Pharaoh makes him a rich, rich man. It's the heart of God. Then God inflicts Pharaoh, and he says, hey, that woman that you have in your house is the, the wife of the prophet. He doesn't call him prophet this time, later. And so he says, this is the wife of the prophet. Everybody's sick because of her. You need to send her back to him. And the Pharaoh comes to him and says, what have you done? Oh, my goodness, my whole house is sick. It actually says that God sent plagues upon the house of Pharaoh. And God intervenes. In the midst of Abraham's utter failure, God intervenes. And Abraham decides to get back on the journey. Okay? And that's the thing that we have to pay attention to. God jumped in, and Abraham decides to get back into the journey. Abraham didn't quit right there. So that was a pretty big low. Would you agree? Yeah, that's not too good. So the second high is Genesis 13.1. So Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had with Lot um, with him into the Negeb. And now Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. Why was he very rich? Because in his utter failure, God blessed his socks off. It's so backwards from what we expect. So that's the second high. Abram gets back on it, and God makes him very rich. Now the next low 
Abram's thinking, okay, life is going good. We can, we can sojourn out here. We can live out here. We've got plenty of everything that we need. We're going to be fine. And then it's too much. The blessings of God in the midst of his failure become too much for his family. And now Abram and Lot and all of their guys are fighting against each other, saying there's not enough food. There's not enough water. we got to split up. And so Abram looks to Lot and he says, hey, tell you what, let's just, let's just make a good deal. Let's split up. Let's kind of both conquer the land, if you will. And so, you know, why don't you go ahead and look out and pick a spot you want to go, and then we'll go the other place and everything will be fine. And so if, if I'm Abram, I'm thinking to Lot, hey, buddy, I brought you along this journey. Here's a nice little area over here. Why don't you go over there? And, of course, I'm going to take the nicest land, right, because I'm the blessed one. I'm the one that God called in this journey. But no, Lot, this ding-dong, which you're going to learn about later, he looks at Abram. He's like, oh, that's a good, okay, yeah. And he looks out at the land, and he finds the section before him that looks like the Garden of Eden. And Lot says, ah, oh. Hey, thanks for that. I'm out of here. And he takes the best of the land away from Abram. So to me, this is a pretty big low. You're like, all right, God, I'm following you. And now we have leftovers. We got the the junk left over. But God, God meets him again. Verse Genesis 13, 14. It says, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make you and your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. And so Abram moved his tent. And he came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar again to the Lord. Amen? So, in his low point, so this is Lot. I'll try to track along here. I need a new pen. Sorry. So, God speaks to him. He calls him up, and he says, it's okay. East. That's a north. Okay. So he's feeling good. He's encouraged. He's like, all right, this is going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Um, In verse 17, the Lord speaks to him, and uh, Abraham moves on. Now we're going to go to the third low. So the next thing, they're living their life. Everything's going fine, but then Lot gets captured. So all of a sudden, there's a big old fight between the four kings and the five kings of the region. Okay, so five kings come against the four kings. They have a big old fight. Lot is right in the middle of all of it. And the four kings defeat the five kings, and they take all of the, the, the splendors and the good, the gold, all that stuff. They take it with them, and then they take Lot and his family with them. So somebody runs over to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, your family has been stolen So I think this is a low point because now if Abram's going to do the right thing, he needs to rise up and he needs to go get his family back. This is a point in his life where he could literally die. This is a very real risk that he could go and try to do the right thing and he could die if God is not with him. So Abram is going against four kings who just whooped up on five kings and all Abram has is 318 men. Say 318. That's all he has. And he's going to go chase down a giant army of four nations. What? But God sends him out. He chases them down. He routes them in the middle of the night. He beats the four kings, and he takes all of their, their plunder with them. So now Abram is unbelievably wealthy and rich. And fast forward to Genesis chapter 15. No, I'm sorry, 14, verse 17. After his return from the defeat of the kings who were with him, 
the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shiva. That's the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram. Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And be blessed by God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Amen? So he's got this low point. Lot is stolen. And then he's got this tremendous high point where God shows up and he gives a tenth of everything back to the Lord, honoring the Lord in what he's done. Now this next section is, is an up and down, up and down, up and down. Genesis 15, verses 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, I am your shield and your reward, and your reward shall be very great. Okay, so God shows up to you, and he speaks to you. After you've had this tremendous victory over these, this huge army, God speaks to you, and you're like on cloud nine, in my opinion. But Abram is doubting in this place. So God speaks, I am your shield, and I am your great reward. But Abram says, oh God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. And he said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Amen? So Abram has his doubts. God shows up again, and he comes way up here, and God starts pointing out the stars to Abraham. Look, buddy, I'm with you. It's going to be okay. Just hang in there. Don't quit, because this is going to happen through you, and not through some relative, but through your very own son. Abraham's on cloud nine. He's like, yes, God, that sounds good to me. God counts it to him as righteousness because he believed the word of the Lord. Now, to this point, there was no nation. To this point, there was no son. To this point, the journey was not done. But at this point, God counts it to him as righteousness. Bam, this is when it happens. This word, kashab, in the Hebrew, that's the word for counts. And what it, it has a root meaning of interpenetrate, to weave, or to fabricate, or to invent. So in this moment, God is interweaving his life with Abraham. He's accrediting this moment as you are a righteous man 100% only because of your belief and nothing that you've done for me. All right? It's like when you swipe a credit card. When you swipe the credit card, it's not like it's going to be charged in the future. It's that moment that's when it is charged, right? Or whenever you send a wire. We had this crazy thing happen this last fall. One of our realtors, she, the, the client wanted to wire his money, his deposit money, to the title company. So she emails the title company, says, send me the directions for the wire. She receives it. She immediately forwards the email. She doesn't touch it. She forwards it. The client gets it. He sends his $20,000 or whatever it was to the title company. And about a day before closing, he says, hey, they don't have my money. What's going on? She says, well, did you send it? He's like, yeah. Well, did you send it to the right place? Yeah. All right. And she begins to open the email. She reads the number that he's supposed to send it to. And he opens his email from her, and he reads the number that he's supposed to send it to, and the numbers are different. 
So in that moment, she sends it somewhere in cyberspace. Somebody stole this email, photoshopped the PDF, sent it back, and he sent it to the wrong place. And $20,000 gone just like that. It was counted in that moment to the thief, okay? But in this moment, all it took for Abram was to believe that God would do these things. It was counted to him just like that. Amen? So, Abram, just after this, Genesis 15, 7 through 21, he has another low. And he says to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land to possess. But he said, oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, a ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him out, all of these, and he cut them in half, and he laid them, each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down to the carcasses, Abraham drove him away. So Abraham's up here. God speaks. Everything changes in this moment for eternity. But yet, in the very same moment, he has another low. He doubts again. And he says, God, what's the proof? I don't understand. And so God tells him, I want to show up. I want to meet with you. I want to confirm this deep in your heart so that the doubt goes away. So Abraham does what God tells him to do. He goes and gets the sacrifice. He lays the sacrifice down. He's waiting on God to come and make it strong in his heart. And in the moment of his waiting, guess what happens? The devil sends in the vultures to steal the sacrifice. Sometimes in your moment of greatest doubt, when God's like, just hang on a little bit longer, don't give up just a little bit longer. I'm going to confirm it. The devil loves to come in and try to steal your sacrifice. But what Abraham does in this moment is he just shoes him away and he stands strong, waiting on the voice of God. And then a deep, heavy sleep comes upon him. The Lord puts him to sleep and God shows up to him. And we're going to read what it says. And the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. This is verse 12. And behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in this land that is not uh, theirs. And it will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation out that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And so when the sun had gone down, it was dark. And behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kizites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephraim, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and the Jebusites. He's going to give it all. Amen? So God gives him this covenant, which I love. And Rachel talked a little bit about this last week. Um, but in the days... Back then, it was common for them to have the sacrifice, and the two men would walk through this sacrifice together, making a covenant together. But in this case, God didn't need Abraham to make this covenant. God was promising Abraham, I'm going to do this regardless of what you do. And God basically knocks him out, and God himself shows up as a, as a pot with fire in it and a flaming torch. And God himself walks through making the covenant, a one-sided covenant, because that's all he needed, to seal this promise up with Abram. Amen. 
So the sixth high is that God makes him know for certain and gives him this promise. Now the sixth low, this is a really, really big low. This is Genesis chapter 16. Sarah is sick and tired of waiting. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Okay? To me, this is another one. Like, oh my gosh, are you insane? (laughs) Sarah's like, Abram, I'm done. I'm sick and tired of this faith journey. I don't want to wait any longer. I'm finished. Just make it happen. Take my servant. Make a baby with her. And that will be the promised child. And we'll move on with our life. So that happens. And again, if I was God, I'd be like, oh my gosh, are you, what? <laughs> the angels are like, um, God, something happens. Uh, I'm not sure if you, if what you want to do here, and I would definitely bail and start over. But not God, because God doesn't quit on us. When God speaks it, he wants it to happen, but he needs you to partner with him and don't quit. Even in the midst of your deepest, darkest failures, if you won't stop there, God will make it happen. Amen? So, the child is born. This child's name is Ishmael. This child was the product of the flesh. The flesh, um, in this situation, I consider this to be what religion is. It's when you know what God wants to do. You know what's supposed to happen, and you take it into your own control to make it happen apart from God and apart from relationship with God. That is the definition of religion. And so they create a religious baby. And guess what this religious baby goes on to become throughout the history of the world? One of the greatest religions of the whole world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Islam. And if you read their history, they don't point back to Isaac being their father. They point back to Ishmael being their father. And you wonder why is Islam so... Why do they hate? Why do they want to kill and murder and all these things? It's because God prophesied about Ishmael in Genesis 16, 12. He said, he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. He shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. And it's because it's the result of the flesh. It's the result of religion when we try to do what God is thinking apart from God. So they create the ultimate, like, oh my gosh, guys. (laughs) This is a huge problem. And they've just done it. I'm going to run out of room, I think. Let's see. So this happens. God doesn't speak for 13 years. They're down here in the valley for 13 years. But God, amen, the seventh high. 13 years later, Genesis 17, verses 1 through 8. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you, past tense, it's finished, it's done, the father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourn journeys. Amen. Say thank you, Lord. Gosh, the Lord is so good. 
He didn't just quit. God showed up again. He meets him again. And at this moment of this tremendous high, God confirms the covenant with him. He says, this is a done deal, and I will give you the land of your sojournings. I want us to point out, I will give you the land of your sojournings. Many of you guys are currently in the land of your sojournings. God spoke to you. He said, get out there. And you've been going and you've been moving and you don't understand why you're out there, but you are sojourning, trying to stand on the word of God. God is going to give you the land of your sojournings. Amen? So do not give up. Do not lose hope. Do not quit. And God is going to do the things that he said he's going to do with you. Amen? So that was the seventh high. The eighth high and the seventh low. This is the next chapter, Genesis 18, verses 1 through 15. Abraham's sitting at his tent, and God comes to confirm his promise again, and there's three men who show up. God and two angels show up at Abraham's tent, and he brings them in. Guys, please come in. Let me make you a meal. And he's sitting with them, and he's conversing with them. God confirms the promise to them again, and they speak. This time next year, so now we have a time frame, 12 months away. This time next year, we're going to come back, and there's going to be a little baby of promise. Amen? At this point, I would be like, oh, my gosh, set the clock. Put the timer on 12 more months. Like, I've waited my whole life, 99 years for this one moment, and now I know the time frame of when it's going to happen 12 months from now. Sarah hears it, and Sarah laughs and says, ha, ain't ever going to happen. Another low. And God confronts her doubt, and he doesn't say, Sarah, okay, enough doubt. You're done. I'm moving on. He just says, why are you laughing? It's going to happen. And God's okay with her doubt, right? So she has doubt, and uh, we have another low. What happens next? Sometime in the next three months, they decide to move, pack up, and move again, and to go into another threatening territory. And guess what happens? At the age of 99 years old, Abraham goes into a threatening territory again, and it says that again, he looks to the promise that's going to provide him a baby within 12 months, and he says to her, hey, let's forget it all. I'm tired of this faith journey. Let's move on. Tell them that you're my sister so that they don't kill me. Guys, he knows the time frame, and he gives up the promise again. So to me, this is the lowest of the low. And again, if I was God, you know what I would do. (laughs) But God doesn't do it. It's like God is unfazed by this. So they show up, and guess what happens? At 99 years old, they take his wife because he told them that she was the sister. And again, God shows up on his own doing, on his own behalf, and he protects the promise when Abraham was unable to protect the promise. God will protect your promise even when you are unable to protect your own promise if you just won't give up. Amen? So God speaks to the king, the wicked king, and he says, hey, this is the prophet's wife, and his whole family is sick. Their wombs are closed, the king's wombs. And he says, the only way that's getting better is if you go give her back, and you make the prophet pray for you, and then everything will be better. And I love this. This is like so telling of God's heart for you. In his moment, in my opinion, this is the worst that it's ever been. In his moment of his absolute, utter failure, God still sees value in Abraham. 
And God puts anointing and power in the prayers of Abraham. And God will not heal the wicked king without Abraham's help. Even though it was Abraham's fault that this happened. So he prays and they go back and they get back on the journey with God. Genesis 20 verses 1 through 18 is what that was from. The ninth high, just after Abraham's greatest failure in his life, God shows up and he fulfills his promise and Sarah gets pregnant and Isaac is born, Genesis 21, okay? So we get up here and we think, yay, it's done. The baby finally came, hooray. The faith journey is over, but it's not quite over. But look at this. The faith journey is not like this. The faith journey is like this. And God never quit along the way. Even after this happens, God calls him one more time, and he tells him to sacrifice the promised one, the lowest point in his whole life. Abraham obeys, and God is able, because he does this, to bring tremendous blessing and then live the rest of his days up here. I want us to read from Genesis 22, verses 15 through 18. We're not going to get into the story of going up on the mountain. That's for another day. But 22, 15 through 18, it says this. And the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time from heaven. And he said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Amen? God was able to bring tremendous blessing and change the history of the world because Abraham decided to partner with the Lord and obey the voice of God. Was it the most beautiful journey you've ever seen? (laughs) Was it the most awful journey you've ever seen or heard of? Maybe. But Abraham did not quit. He didn't stop. He didn't give up. And because he obeyed the voice of God, the history of the world has changed. Because he obeyed the voice of God, even in his utter failures over and over and over and over and over again, because he obeyed the voice of God again, and he got back up and he got trusting God again, all of us are in the room today. Amen? So what I want us to pay attention to from today's story is just to look at how God operates. Michelle, you can go ahead and play for me. You can bring down the lights too. We're going to have some ministry time in a moment as we wrap up. Um, And in a moment, I would love for the Millers to come and pray. And I'd love for the Mills to come and pray. Um, And I would love for the Yankowskis to come pray for people in a moment. So what I want us to pay attention to, the biggest takeaway of the story is that God loves to partner with us. Even when we fail to the point of not being able to fail any worse, God doesn't stop. He loves to partner with us. In those moments of belief, when we choose to hear him and act, God attributes those to us as all that matters in the world. Abraham ultimately had a few moments of bold faith where he put his neck on the line, believing God in his heart. And even though he did lose all faith multiple times, he simply never quit. He always got back up. And God met him in his failure every single time. 
in the most amazing ways. And he encouraged him to continue the journey until the beginning of the promise came to pass. And ultimately, Abraham now sits with God in heaven, watching the fullness of that covenant promise unfold. Abraham changed the course of history because he was foolish enough to say yes to God's voice. And even though he screwed it up royally over and over and over again, he never stopped. And God counted it to him as righteousness. Because he obeyed, God was able to bring all of us into his family. So then the question for you today, for those of us who are on this faith journey, is what are the dreams of God that he has for you only? What are the promises that God has given to each of you that he said, I want to do this with you. Will you partner with me? And at one point in life, in your life, you were like, yes, God, I will. I'll sacrifice everything. I'll leave everything behind. I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. Yes, God. And you started on the journey. Where are you today in the journey? Are you stalled out? Are you in your 13 years of despair after your flesh created the most evil baby of all time? (laughs) Or are you back on the top? I want us to notice that when Abraham was vulnerable and honest with God about his faith, what happened? Every single time, God showed up and he spoke and he loved him and he cared for him and he encouraged him and he strengthened him again to continue moving forward. If God has given you a promise and it's hard for you to stand on it and you wanna quit and you wanna be Sarah and be like, I found a shortcut, let's move on, let's be done. Be honest and vulnerable with God and simply tell him, God, I feel like quitting. I'm done, I'm tired, I wanna move on and let him come and speak to you. And if he speaks to you and it's not enough and you still have doubt after he's done, tell him again. I still have doubt again after you spoke because God wants to come and meet with you. He wants to make it right. He wants to fix it. He wants to encourage you. He wants to be your shield. He wants to be your very great reward. And all you have to do is simply don't quit. He doesn't care how many times you fall. He doesn't care how many times you screwed up. He doesn't care how many times you give away the promise. All you have to do is simply simply don't quit. He's gonna come meet with you. He's gonna make it right. He's gonna fulfill his promises in your life. Will you be alive when he fulfills all of the depth of them? Probably not. But will you get to enjoy it and watch it forever in eternity next to God and him look over and say, I'm so thankful you never quit because all of this that I'm doing now on the earth, I couldn't do if you hadn't have said yes to me back then. Amen. So if I can have my prayer team come up. Michelle's going to play. The purpose is for you to get honest and vulnerable with God. Each of these guys are up here because they have been on faith journeys for a majority of their life, and they still are on faith journeys. They have tremendous anointing and power to pray over you, to help you in your journey, to encourage you, to help you move forward. So please take advantage of these guys this morning. And if you don't want to come up and get prayer, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit in your seat, and 
want you to close your eyes and just identify how are you feeling? Where are you in the faith journey? What is the promise that God has given to you? Have you quit on it? Or are you still moving forward? And talk to the Lord about it and let him come meet with you. Amen. So Father, do it. We thank you that you never quit on Abraham. We thank you that you never quit on each of us. And I'm asking this morning would be a life-changing morning for each and every person in the room to say yes again in their hearts, to move forward in the faith journey with you, whatever it is, whether it's in the church world or it's in the business world or it's in the home, whether it's in evangelism or some spiritual, get whatever it is, let them say yes once again and move forward and not quit the journey so that you can have your way on the earth through us. In the name of Jesus.